the extender. I I've got it in my office. It does. Um, but I think I think I can do it. It's gonna stay that, in. Yeah, I think it'll be alright. Let me just gain a little bit. The gain, the gain, the gain, the gain. Here's the gain. <coughs> Here's the name the, of the gain is gain. The that's the name of the gain. My notification light. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, is your phone silent still? It is. Pull up the notes. The notes. The notes. So remember. If you face this way, yes, it will pick up right everything you everything you say. Correct. So just direct it here. Always there. Okay. How am I supposed to do that and look at the notes? Well, we can, we can angle our computers a little bit. Yeah, you're touching. Computers are touching. Careful, they might replicate. Sexy. <laughs> Is this okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to get um, water or anything before we get started? I have water. It's half full. Okay. Um, I need some water. <clears throat> so I'm going to grab that real quick, and then we can get we can get a move on. Are you recording right now? I am recording right now. <laughs> recording! Do that or I grab a beer. Max, you good? You good boy? Okay. Hello. So, not that I think I have to uh, review things with you, but I do it with everybody else. So, time out for anything, content restrictions. You know, if I ask something that's not in line with what you want to do, with what you want to talk about, just you can hand up or cut this. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just flail about. Yeah, just flail about. Okay. You you remember the signal. Yeah. What what was that signal? I don't know. That was my huh. What was that? Oh, because I'm pulled really taut. Trying to pull that closer to the mic. Oh. Fine. We could scooch that way. I've got pl- I've got plenty of cord. <clears throat> Anyway, letting you know. Fail like, whoa, like that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Cursing. I know how you like to curse. uh... Son of a... (laughs) Um, And if you got a question... I do love to curse. You do? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's (laughs) there's been scientific research that cursing... Yeah. It releases something. Releases tension, mm-hmm. reduces pain. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a favorite curse word? Favorite curse word. I well, I mean, I feel like if you yell anything in the right tone, it mm-hmm. takes on the effect of a curse word. True. So specific like a lot of people say fuck, which okay, I yeah. get it. Um I'm particularly <laughs> fond of butt fuck. Because butt fuck. Butt fuck. <laughs> it is specific. Well, yeah. And very specific. Yeah. And um, 
it immediately brings about uh like when screamed like that mm-hmm. it immediately brings about uh, uh empathetic feelings of pain so it's like <laughs> anybody within earshot is going like oh no oh i'm sorry oh, oh. Uh. yeah so yeah but fuck yeah yeah well it it actually reminds me the way you were saying that reminds me of what your favorite uh i guess curse cursing light of mine has been oh <laughs> is it the oh cookies yes <laughs> what's this oh cookies what's this oh cookies <laughs> And it came out very much like a curse word. It, it oh, did. cookies. No cookies. <laughs> yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. Uh, Matt Jennings says, oh, muffins. Muffins and Aww. muffins and cakes. It's cute. It is. It's adorable. <laughs> I kind of want a bakery called that. Muffins and cakes. Yeah. <laughs> when it really means something entirely different. You or, know? Yeah, I think you could go, aw, muffins. Aw, muffins. Aw, muffins. <laughs> <laughs> Question is, would they be kind of... I, I see these muffins as like they're kind of deformed. <laughs> like, so you, they're tasty. They're delicious. Like, you would still eat like a thousand of them. But <laughs> at the same time, they look a little. A little misshapen. A little, yeah, a little sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, they get picked last. Aw, muffins. They, they get picked last in kickball. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, back to your rules. Sorry. <laughs> um, Derailed us. No, that's okay. That's a that's a good that's a good that's a good tangent for Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Patreon. Um, yeah, and you know, don't don't worry. You can always stop me if you got a question or if we needed to address something. You know, mid recording. Okay. Edit around it as always. Okay. Oh, uh, do you want to take any of the recap? Well, I thought you were going to change it to quotes. And you I, decided not to do that. Yeah, I looked that up. That's that's probably going to be more work than I want. Complicated. Wanted. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a little I complicated. Figured. So it's a good thought, but um, like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Well, you know, how do you feel? Would you... You take whatever you want. It's up to you. I'm worried I won't be able to read it well. Like, you that's won't fine. pick it up well. That's fine. I'll just do it. You'll do it later. Okay. Um. Or at the same time. We can do it at the same time. I don't mind waiting. Yeah, I, okay. pref- I prefer to just... Yeah. Do it that way. It'll save. It'll save me at least one step. Sure, um, not a problem. If that's all right with you. And if you get to any of those and you want to include them, like I said, it was just my thoughts. No, that's fine. That's again, like I, I, I looked totally. at. I looked at the recap. I looked at the summary on Wikipedia and thought about pulling that, but that's one paragraph at best. Like that's that's really short. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to go that short. Have you finished all the other ones for Discovery? Uh, or do you have one no, more? Epi- um, you have one more episode to to do. Yeah, I have I have one more episode to do, and it's the one after this, okay. and then we'll be completely done recording Discovery. Okay. Um, Shh! Don't tell them that. I am. <laughs> I'm pulling back the curtain. No, they're gonna find out. Uh, okay. All right. I think unless you've got. Oh, sorry. Uh, not sure. I might pop in, but I'm not sure. I don't really. It's a long one. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's a very long. It's a very long. They're, they're all really long recaps. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to trim it down quite a bit. Reword some things and condense some things. Yeah, instead of like some of them, I probably would have reworded, but I would I didn't want to make any like drastic changes. I gotcha. That you uh... plus there wasn't like a cross out on Google 
Google Docs. There is. It's just it's in it's in format text. You have to go into format uh, text. Google Docs. Why do you make everything so complicated? <sighs> yeah, it's it's not fun. Okay. Um. Any issues before we get rolling? No. Well then, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. Incoming transmission. The Klingonese word of the day is quahak. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. You boldly go where no man has gone before. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. She keeps me on time and under budget. And then there's all the stuff she helps me with for the show. She is your executive producer and love of my life. It's Mrs. Cat Davis. Yay! Cat Davis. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. <laughs> Glad to be back. It's been a while since you've been on the show. Has it? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you don't pay attention to that. I, re- I I occasionally pop in, you know. <laughs> pop. <laughs> <laughs> Here, and here she is, popping. Pop. Uh, uh, so you've been really, well, you've been really enjoying Strange New Worlds. I Love Strange New Worlds. Yes. In fact, and in fact, if we could just not talk about this episode and talk about the musical episode, I'd be so happy. <laughs> but I know you'd kill me because we're not chronological ordering and all that fun stuff. I have to wait. Correct. And I'm probably going to have to beg, beg to be the one to talk about that episode because I think you have multiple people interested in talking about that episode. I think somebody might have already called. Uh, I know. I, know. I might pop into that one. <laughs> you never know where I can come in. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, well. First of all, for I've said it before, and here it is. Now that you know, season two is in the bag of of Strange New Worlds. Um, that show is better than it has any reason to be. <laughs> I mean, truly, yeah. and it it stands apart from every other version of Trek that has come before. Yeah, because. Every version of Trek that has come before has taken a little time to sort of find its footing. Right. And really understand where its own voice is, where it's going, uh, you know, stuff on the production side, even Discovery. Like the, uh, you know, the cornerstone of new Trek. Like it took a little while to get really into a decent groove. Like it had a lot of fans right off the bat. It had a lot of detractors, too. Right. Um, I think Strange New Worlds has not nearly had as many detractors as Discovery has. Well, and even if, like, Strange New Worlds, we've said, is kind of like a roller coaster, too. So mm. it's like you have one episode that is super dramatic and lots of action, and then you have another episode that's so lighthearted and, you know, you're laughing half the time you're watching it and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like because it has that... 
And, well, I don't know. I just feel like even the cinematography is so much lighter. It's brighter mm-hmm. than Discovery. Discovery had just kept – it packed so much in, for one thing. Yeah. And it's it's just so heavy. Very. Um, it's so – it's trying to, you know, really touch on a lot of diff- – a lot of – Difficult topics mm-hmm. that are really important mm-hmm. um, to kind of talk through, but they're they're not easy. They're none of them have easy answers at the yeah. same time because you're grappling with um, you know trust issues and and different things that you're like I love this person, but they're they've you know they've uh, I don't know done something. <laughs> oh yeah, to hurt me, and so you're struggling with that, right? And right. it's like I don't know that I mean. I know we've had some, like I said, some dramatic stuff on Strange New Worlds, but just mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel as. If I I find it much more, I'm like I'm excited to sit down mm. to watch Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Versus, I felt like I needed to be in the right headspace to watch Discovery. I still love Discovery. I think, like I said, I love the characters. I love the storylines. I you know I I love the hard topics, mm-hmm. but you also kind of have to be in the right headspace for it. Yeah, you know, I've, I've not shied away from talking about season one of Discovery being very dark. Yeah. It is a very, very dark show because we start with Burnham's mutiny. Right. <laughs> where hundreds, if not thousands of people died. And then, you know, in dealing with all of that, we go to the mirror universe, which is even darker. Right. Uh, they are killing folks left and right, gleefully killing folks like... <laughs> It is really, really dark. And season two started off in a in the right direction, I feel, in that they had Captain Pike on the bridge reviewing his service record that popped up on the screen and him telling the bridge crew, I'm not Lorca. Yeah. I understand you've been through a, an ordeal. Let me reassure you, yeah. I'm not Lorca. Yeah. And I mentioned in the episode with Justin Bishop that... That That is a very important scene because not only does it feel like Pike explaining it to the crew, obviously, but it feels like the production, the writer's room, the showrunners are saying that to the fans. Mm-hmm. Now, the flip side of that coin is you've kind of painted yourself into a corner with that first season. So you're going to have to maneuver out of that, which means more darkness, more heavy topics to get to a point at the end of season two, and this isn't much of a spoiler, but at the end of season two is where Strange New Worlds starts. Yeah. Pike ends up back on the Enterprise. Discovery goes off in a different direction, we'll say. And, you know, and and things continue on a very particular path. Mm -hmm. But when Strange New Worlds starts, you know, you even see Pike is in a different place. He grew out the beard. You know, we've, we've joked about Pike's hair being Pike's peak. He grew out the beard, which I'll call Pike's Valley, I guess. I don't know. No, <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, yeah, he's still in a dark spot, kind of recovering from everything he experienced on Discovery. Right. And it's not till he gets back on the ship and they kind of assess, okay, here we are. Here's the crew. Here's the ship. Let's go. Let's figure out what we got. Let's get out of the out of this week's bucket of syrup. Yeah. And yeah. And let's move forward from there. When they announced Strange New Worlds was going to return to the episodic structure, but maintain the serialized character arcs. I thought that was brilliant. 
Yeah. Yeah. We still love the characters. You know, you still fall in love with the characters Mm -hmm. and yet you don't need to necessarily understand exactly everything that happened in the episode because it could be freak of the week or alien of the week. Yeah. Um, you know, planet of the week, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so that's always good because I th- I felt sometimes ro- watching like you know TOS um, you know uh, Next Gen sometimes you don't even have that or at least for me like I felt a disconnect from the characters mm, at times yeah because yeah. it was just it was so episodic that it was just like you don't even need to know who these people are right you know right well I mean and again t- I mean like big picture like their backstories and all that stuff yeah you're absolutely right and you know we're still talking about you know tos and legacy trek which is tng deep space nine voyager and enterprise Mm -hmm. they came about in a period of television production history where streaming wasn't around right 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 so you know they oh my gosh i remember those it's like you're you're (laughs) you're like i missed the episode Uh and then you're just like do you do you stop yeah. Do you stop watching until it comes back on reruns uh, over the summer? And yeah. then you're like, we f- I feel so old saying all this stuff. <laughs> but it's just like, or did somebody tape it? Can you call somebody? And did you did someone tape it on VHS? Like yeah. not, we're not talking about DVR at that time. Like right, someone right. had to put in and, and like hit the button. Oh, yeah. There wasn't even like, you know, where you could set it and forget it. Nope. You had to be there to hit the button. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's kids. You don't even you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. But yeah, this. You and know. then someone tapes over the tape. Oh, <laughs> oh! You put in the tape, and you think you're gonna sit down and watch your favorite show that you miss, and it's like a baseball game, and you just want to just want to hurt somebody. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I did I ever tell you about? <laughs> did I ever tell you about taping over mom and dad's? vacation footage oh no yeah i taped over you're the one yeah (laughs) i grabbed a tape it was their trip to mount st helens which my parents didn't take big Mm cross-country vacations and i think dad had some sort of work thing that he had to do out in that area and so he and mom went and it was their it was their first vacation without a kid in tow in God knows how long, a long, long time. And dad, you know, was marveling at the nature and the, you know, uh, the majestic area that is uh, Mount St. Helens. And of course, this was long after Mount St. Helens erupted. But he video, you know, with the with a VHS camcorder <laughs> videoed everything. Yeah. And, you know, flash forward however long. I don't remember how long it was, but I wanted, there was a movie coming on TV and I grabbed the nearest VHS, didn't even bother to look, popped it in and hit record and taped over most of their vacation. Knowing your father, I am surprised that you're still sitting there. I know. (laughs) I'm very surprised you're alive today. Yeah. Well, oh. (laughs) Rest assured, he was not happy about well, it. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was an honest mistake. And, you know, anyways. Yeah, kids, you'll never know. You'll never know the struggles of the VHS or hell, the floppy disk, you know, the all of those things. We're really dating ourselves yeah, here. Yeah, we got to stop. <laughs> we got to stop. So, uh, you know, we've, we've, you know, 
racked up a lot of praise for Strange New Worlds. This was, I mean, it's been a while since you've been on. The last episode you did before this was back in season five, I believe. Season five? Season five of Computer Reasoning Podcast. Oh, oh, oh. Like, wait a minute, we're only in season two of Discovery. I know I've done a Discovery. Yeah, but you did season one, episode five, Choose Your Pain. That, oh, yeah. That was all the way back on episode 91. 91. And we are doing which one now? Uh, this is... Uh, episode 112. Yeah, episode 112, Project Daedalus. So, needless to say, we're, we're getting... We're, we are hip deep. We are getting up sure. to the end of yeah. this season that has been a sci-fi mystery of where is spock what happened to spock mm-hmm. why does he what what is his connection to the red angel what is the red angel yeah. what, is, what is the red angel's end game like and then we learn that you know things are things are pretty heavy here uh the stakes are really really high this was probably your first time since it premiered watching it correct no, I think I've watched this several times. Have you? Yeah. Okay. This particular episode? Yeah, this yeah, particular yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you, you know, because I mean, to pull the curtain back for fans, we watched it maybe less than an hour ago. Yeah, because my memory sucks. <laughs> and I, you know, Todd can remember. I, I mean, I swear it's like selective memory, <laughs> you know. And ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Like your guy can rattle off what if he's into something, some kind of hobby, he can rattle off the stats on all of it, you know. But can he remember <laughs> that be- it's trash day? <laughs> no, you know. So the woman has to remember all this, all the stuff that's going on. So I've got all these things in my head, and I think we were actually supposed to record this, pulling back the curtain, like a month ago. Oh yeah, and this was this was to be recorded. Yeah, and, and the the schedule got a little wonky, so. Um, I did watch it like a month ago in preparation, like a good EP. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I needed like, I needed it fresh in my head today. So I watched it again, which I did remember. And the funny thing is, is like you mentioned the Red Angel. I mean, I know that the Red Angel is heavy in the bookend mm-hmm. um, episodes for this one, but it's it's mentioned here and it's talked about a little bit, but it's really not the center that's true. Um, but let's before we before we get too heavy into that, let me just ask you a couple of over you I, know a couple of overarching questions. What what were the general vibes that you took away from this episode? Because like I said, it's pretty heavy. But you know what what's the if you had to file this under a particular vibe, where how how would you uh, how would you classify this episode? You know, I even though it it ends really heavy and it's got a lot of action throughout Mm -hmm. i think the overarching i think there's an overarching love theme Mm. um and it's friendship love and it's it's brother sister love even though they're kind of at you know at each other Mm -hmm. but it's it's ingrained it's it's under there yeah um you know but definitely definitely friendship love um seeing tilly and um just oh i love tilly and <laughs> yeah. she loves so hard well, you know yeah she does so you got a cyborg that like you know you kind of just like kind of like spock right you you their emotions aren't quite there you know or at least not surface level that you can easily read right so so you they are mirrored or you know 
and remind me of her name. Arium. Arium. So you got Arium and Tilly mm-hmm. that even though I think there's Arium and Tilly probably match better in my examples here. Um, but, you know, Tilly's super emotional and super bubbly and you can tell all her love and Arium's a little, I mean, she's cyborg, so she's got, she's a little bit more robotic. Oh, yeah. Most, know? most of her face is synthetic. Yeah, you can't <laughs> see her, you can see her smile a little bit, but it's never like this gigantic smile like Tilly has. Right. Similarly, or, or alternatively, um, you got Spock. Who again emotions struggles with or do, like holds those back from mm-hmm. his Vulcan side, and you've got Burnham, who's pretty much like always a hoss. <laughs> I love her. I love Burnham, but yeah. she's 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 also she wears her heart on her sleeve very much. She's you know really struggling with a lot of different emotions, so she doesn't have that love aspect or like bubbly aspect, but she is just all emotion you know and 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 love is definitely a part of it Mm. um but she gets hurt from from spock's reaction to her a couple times and all that stuff but i guess going back to your you know thing i i think there's that theme of that and you know with with loss at the end yeah i think you're absolutely right about about all of that and i've i've talked a little bit about Star Trek Discovery being truly a show about discovery, like not necessarily the ship, but each of these characters is rediscovering what it means. What Each character has their own journey of discovery, and Burnham uh, is on a journey to rediscover her heart, to rediscover love. So a lot of these emotions for her, because she was, you know, a child of very traumatic um, loss, then raised in a very oppressive Vulcan household. Um, so a lot of those things got pushed down and now they are breaking loose. They are breaking free and she is rediscovering her emotions and her heart. And we are seeing, you know, and you can point to any character on this show and really see their journey of discovery or it's at certain times a journey of rediscovery. Uh, even Pike, you know, Pike sat out the war. So Pike is rediscovering what it is to be a captain on the front lines. Um, So there's a lot going on here and there's a lot to jump into and dissect. Yeah, I think I think with discovering um, themselves a little bit more, they also kind of push themselves to the edge. I think one of my favorite quotes from this week was when Spock was he basically said he it was the first time he enjoyed expressing emotion Mm. and i was like very tense moment yeah 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 Yeah. but the way he said it and and allowed himself to let it go and that made me think about the vulcan you know how they oppressed so much in terms of their or suppressed so much in terms of their emotions Mm. it's just like so that all builds up inside of you especially for him and his human side yeah you know and so it's just it's just waiting to burst oh yeah so yeah and there's there's so many people who you know we see we see tilly hold back when she talks to her mom Mm -hmm. we see uh stamets and culber so many times Mm. want to reach out to each other and don't or you know we see tyler who because of his position in section 31 wants to re he really wants to be a part of the discovery crew again right and really wants to be accepted by them but unfortunately he can't yeah um you know pike pike is 
this isn't Pike's ship. Like right. he's his ship is the Enterprise. But uh, you know, there's there's so many times where they're wanting they're wanting to do these things, but for whatever reason, it's not their time yet, or they're having to restrain themselves for whatever reason. You know, there's times like that in life where you feel like you want to rush forward and do things, but maybe it's not maybe it's not the right time yet, or maybe uh, you know it's maybe I'm not ready yet, or maybe the resources aren't ready yet or something like that. It's all very, very relatable. Um, anyways, before we get much further into our dissection of this very heavy episode, let's get to this week's recap. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters, Rev J, Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, and David Willett. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Welcome to Section 31 Headquarters. Are those mines? Blade mines. We'll slice the hole like cheese. This is your captain. Brace for a bumpy ride. Who is that? What is Arium doing? Michael! Cornwell arrives on Discovery All, Cloak and Dagger. Sneaky, sneaky, sir. Pike tells her Section 31 planned to torture, possibly kill, Spock with unknown tech and believes they ordered Tyler to sabotage Discovery's spore drive. In the lab, Cornwell questions Spock while he's hooked up to a mental polygraph. But Spock sticks to his story. He didn't kill anyone. Walking through the corridors of the ship, Burnham protests to Pike that Tyler didn't sabotage the spore drive and that he's loyal to Starfleet. Pike counters that Tyler's loyalty is to Section 31, which has a different agenda than Starfleet as of late. When he asks if he can count on her, Burnham replies he can and that she'll prove Tyler's innocent. Cornwell continues to question Spock on his escape from the psychiatric facility. Spock admits that he had not believed the visions from the Red Angel were real and began to question his sanity. Once he concluded he was sane, remaining confined would have been unproductive. Later, Saru questions the Admiral's doubts about Spock, asking if the test is accurate. She states it's 100% accurate, as is the footage of Spock from the psychiatric facility in which he murders the staff. Murder, murder, murder. Pike's convinced it must have been doctored. Cornwell replies that it came straight from the facility. She also reveals the admirals who run Section 31 haven't responded to her in weeks, and that Control, Section 31's threat assessment AI, has stopped accepting her data input codes. Cornwell is certain it's Admiral Patar, a Vulcan logic extremist whose fanaticism is worrying to her. Saru deduces that if Cornwell brought her concerns to Starfleet, she risked inadvertently informing Patar, which is why she's come to Discovery in secret. Cornwell explains control is maintained within Section 31's headquarters. They need to go there, arrest Patar, and reset control. On the bridge, Tilly confirms she traced the transmissions Tyler sent to 74 Mark 5.6. According to Cornwell, it's Section 31 headquarters. When asked of Tyler's whereabouts, Pike informs the Admiral that he's confined to quarters and instructs Tilly to decrypt his transmissions before ordering Detmer to set a course for Section 31 headquarters. And on that note, we cue the music. 
In her quarters, Ariam reviews her memory files, beginning with one from her life before receiving cybernetic alterations, showing her with her husband, Stephen. She then reviews her memories from aboard the ship, deleting several random encounters before reviewing ones with Tilly, Detmer, and Awosaku, Reese, and Burnham. At that moment, Tilly enters and remarks Ariam had better be saving every single moment with her. Ariam jokes that those are usually the first to go. They further discuss the pros and cons of having deletable memories. Tilly asks for help with decrypting Tyler's messages. On the bridge, Ariam continues to work with Tilly on the decryption. But as she works, however, the three blinking lights from the probe flash again in her eyes, causing her to not respond to Tilly's comment. Detmer reports that they'll be dropping out of warp within 10 minutes, so Pike asks for defense schematics of Section 31 HQ. Cornwell explains it's heavily fortified. Before I respond to that, I'll have to take an extra strength vitamin, duh. Duh. Owosakun and Saru are both stunned to see mines as part of its defenses, as the Federation does not use mines. In Burnham and Tilly's quarters, Burnham produces a three-dimensional chessboard. Spock is incredulous at Burnham's solution of playing a game to return to logic. Arium's working in the science lab when Nan enters, saying that Tilly's been looking for her. Arium replies that she was looking for something to aid in the decryption. Even with her augmentation, it didn't have infinite storage. Arium then asks about non-species and their cybernetics that allow them to breathe the Earth-equivalent atmosphere on board most starships. When Nan asks why she wants to know, Arium admits to curiosity. As Arium enters the bridge, she asks Tilly to stand with her and not to move until they solve this mystery. Tilly is confused at first, but agrees. Detmer brings the ship out of warp and the crew get their first look at Section 31's fortress of an HQ. Sucks! Pike orders Bryce to open a channel, just as Awosakun's scanners show all the mines around the base are on. Great! Pike asks if Cornwell could get them through the defenses. Cornwell gives Detmer a route, and warns that shields will have to remain down as the mines were attracted to them. How convenient! Pike gives the order to lower shields and bring them closer to the field. Saru adds that someone seems to be guiding the blade mines directly at Discovery, something Cornwell remarks shouldn't be possible. As the mines begin slicing into the hull, Pike orders red alert. Detmer can't shake the mines. It seems whoever's controlling them is anticipating Discovery's moves. Detmer says she's trying her best, to which Pike says it wasn't a game. Thinking about her chess game with Spock, Burnham speculates that perhaps... If the mines are being controlled by computer, it would be able to anticipate the standard evasive patterns. What was needed to confuse it was randomness and chaos. Pike tells Detmer to trust her training and calls on the crew to give random evasive patterns. At her station, Arium appears to be downloading some kind of info, which then sends out a signal. As the signal sends, the mines suddenly deactivate and veer off. And there was much rejoicing. Bryce reports that they are being hailed by Admiral Pitar of Section 31. Cornwell is indignant at Pitar attacking a Federation ship, but Pitar counters that Discovery is harboring fugitives. She was deemed too dangerous to be allowed to approach Section 31 HQ. Pike believes Starfleet had something to say about that, but Pitar explains the order to attack Discovery came from Starfleet. Uh? 
Cornwell insists that no matter the circumstance, they can't abandon the mission. They had to board the station and reset control. Pike orders Reese to scan for weapons on the base and to call engineering to restore the spore drive. He tells Saru to form a landing party. Saru insists he'd be better remaining on board, at which point Pike selects Burnham. In engineering, Stamets continues to examine a conduit. It shorts out, causing the power inside the engine room to fail. Spock repairs the conduit and restores power in engineering. Stamets wishes the spore drive was that easy. Spock says Stamets has traveled the network hundreds of times and to have faith in his own abilities. Burnham, Non, and Arium beam into the station, hovering for a moment above the deck before their gravity boots activate. Burnham reporting back to Discovery that artificial gravity was out and there were still no life signs. She spots floating objects in the corridors, which she recognizes as globs of frozen blood. Burnham asks Nan to restore life support. Seemingly reluctant to let Arium out of her sight, Nan moves off. Burnham and Arium find signs of a struggle. As they enter the next corridor, they discover a body, and then look up to find three more. Nan restores artificial gravity, and the frozen corpses collapse to the floor. Examining one body, Arium's biometric scans show they died at least two weeks earlier. Turning another body over, Burnham is shocked to find herself staring at the frozen, dead face of Admiral Patar. Pike is astonished. If she's dead, who the hell was I talking to? Saru says all living beings had a heat signature. He should have seen a change in Batars when her authority was challenged, but didn't, because the Batar they spoke to was a hologram. He then moves to the evidence of Spock, murdering the staff at the psychiatric facility. It was also a hologram, intended to frame Spock for murder. Murder, murder, murder! Control had created the forgery, and then created the holographic Batar after it killed the real one. Pike realizes they were up against the system itself. Tilly clearly looking distraught, examines the ship's data usage and notes that Arium's computer activity was incredibly high. Cornwell wonders if control was against them, trying to block them from contacting Starfleet, why would it allow a landing party to board the station? Pike speculates that perhaps it wanted something from them. Tilly speaks up, saying that it wanted something from Arium. Reviewing the data, Tilly realizes that Arium transferred her entire memory archive into Discovery's computers. None of it was inside her head anymore, which leads Pike to wonder what she downloaded in its place. He orders Bryce to open a secure channel to Burnham and Nan only, then asks Stamets for an update on the spore drive. Burnham and Nan receive the comm from Pike, who asks what Arium's doing. Burnham replies she's uploading Cordwell's access to control. Pike tells them that she's not, and orders them to stop her. Arium wheels around. Both Burnham and Nan see the red lights in her eyes, just as she raises her phaser and fires. Sucks! Arium reaches out and tears out one of Nan's rebreather implants, causing her to begin choking on the air before knocking her across the room, leaving Burnham to face her alone. Great! Arium attacks Burnham relentlessly, unshaken by any blows she receives in return. Burnham finally pushes Arium into the nearby airlock. Checking back in with Discovery, Pike reveals that something's taking control of Arium. Before I respond to that, I'll have to take an extra strength vitamin, duh. Duh. Tilly discovered that the transmissions to Section 31, supposedly from Tyler, were in fact from Arium, and that she downloaded all the Sphere's data on AI. 
collected over more than 100,000 years. Burnham realizes this is what Control wanted, to evolve, to become sentient. And if it became a conscious life form, it would wipe out all life in the galaxy, exactly as the angel had shown Spock. As she tries to delete what Arium uploaded into Control, the door to the data center shuts, while Arium tries to manually override the airlock. Unable to find a technical solution, Tilly asks for a channel to be open to Arium. She tearfully tries to reason with her and reach her emotions, pleading with her to remember that she was a Starfleet officer, a good colleague, and a good friend. Arium finally explains she's unable to stop what she is doing because control is overriding her motor functions. She was only able to transmit 25% of the AI data, and control needed her to finish. She tells Burnham to vent her into space and warns that if she doesn't, she'll unlock the inner door, kill Burnham, and complete Control's mission. Arium asks Burnham to tell the crew she loved them and that she had to find Project Daedalus. Just then, Nan opens the airlock, venting Arium into space. Burnham pounds the door in anguish before breaking down in tears. Outside, Arium drifts away, reliving her favorite memory, herself and Stephen, before the shuttle crash, walking on the beach. <laughs> This is pretty heavy. Um, it right off the bat, um, we've been slowly working our way through the documentary series, The Center Seat, and we just saw the episode uh, about the beginning of Next Gen. And part of what was in that episode was the discussion of Denise Crosby being a main character and then having to be written off and essentially killed off. And a lot of things like that don't happen very much with main cast members because they are main cast members. Even though we are watching a narrative, we know the main cast is probably going to be okay. So there's that level of comfort there. But with Discovery having such a huge cast, we see people brought in and then their importance to the crew is realized and then poof, they're gone. Um... How did you feel about getting a closer look at Arium and seeing that she was a normal human person at one point and then just as we get to um, have an affinity for her, begin to empathize with her, poof, she's gone. Yeah. How did you feel about that? You think about all the makeup that like goes into the shows like this. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I when we first see that memory of hers, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know that I fully, the very first time I watched it, I don't even know that I fully registered. Oh, she's, oh, that's her, you know, because she just looks so different Yeah, in the makeup um, or in the cyborg, yeah. you know, um, all that stuff. So she, so yeah, I mean, it was tough and, and we've seen her, we haven't seen her super close up, but like we've seen her and she's, her interactions with Tilly and the other girls and all that stuff. And um, so she was kind of a a fun character to build within that group. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really sad. Yeah. It was really, it was really sad. I mean, you kind of, you get to that point, you know, if you're thinking about who Burnham and in her spot, like she's just wanting to find another way out of this Mm -hmm. desperately. Yeah. And, you know, I I felt like Pike was basically taking the ownership of it and mm-hmm. like ordering her. It's like, this is what you have to do, even though 
I mean, it was Ariam who told her. It's like, luckily she came too in enough time. And I think that even comes with its own, like, you know, deep, heavy emotion of it is like, you have to kill me. Yeah. You know, versus, no, don't kill me. Yeah. You know, or I'm not even paying attention to you because I'm this other person now. So whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it, but she, she's like, yeah, you have to, you have to open the airlock. And so Burnham is just like, no, there has to be another way. There has to be another way. Yeah. There's not. Yeah. Um, sure as death and taxes. Like, you can't fight it when, when you know, when that is the decision. Spock says it point blank. It's her or you. Well, yeah. And she, Ariam even goes into, not only will I kill you when the door opens, but I will, I will destroy Discovery. Yeah. And everything else in her path, like this is her orders now Mm -hmm. and she is unable to control it. So, you know, even if Burnham was able to open the door and figure out a way, whatever her plan was to make that work is like you had a lot stacked up against you at that point. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, one of the things that hit me watching this episode again Mm -hmm. and especially with everything going on right now in Hollywood in general yeah is the whole conversation about AI oh yeah and there's so many or there's so many businesses that are just like AI is going to help us so much <laughs> and there's other people like what are we doing oh yeah because what if it rises up you know yep. and takes over and becomes sentient like this and like destroys us all you know this is the end this is the beginning of the end mm-hmm. right and you know we we know the writer strike that's going on and the the act you know the actors strike and yeah. all that stuff you think about all the people who can't strike cuz they're not part of a union or but are still impacted by this i think i told you like one of the things that came out not too long ago in cuz i still am working on some children's books of my own and that kind of stuff it's just like i see people doing that it's just like our words the way we write you know because ai can easily find those patterns you know and easily come up with that's why you have to introduce the chaos and introduce the you know uh, unpredictability right but they can basically take it and and write and you don't need authors anymore yeah just throw in a topic a subject and poof ai will come up with a story um let alone the art Il- art- artists, the illustrators, uh-huh. you know, that you easily can put in, okay, we want a little bear and this and that, and poof, you have an entire book. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw it this week uh, that might change a little bit about at least the socioeconomics of the whole thing is that a judge, and I don't know what level the judge, so it might not be a big deal, but um, some judge said, uh, ruled that you couldn't copyright AI material. Oh. Interesting. So that could be the game changer. Is that yeah. doesn't mean you can't actually still use it, but you can't copyright it. Mm, interesting. So, but anyway, I just felt like this was such it hit home a little bit more. I mean, even the whole thing with Spock and the hol- and the hologram stuff is just yeah. like that. She's like, that's a hundred percent real. Oh yeah. She said it. It came directly from the facility. Yeah. You know, they thought that the the is an admiral. Yeah. She was real talking to them. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's a hologram. Yeah. <laughs> and holograms are not uncommon in in Star Trek. I mean, we had a whole series that had a doctor that was a hologram. Yeah. 
Yeah. How, how does that work? We haven't even gotten there. And like, what? Oh. How, what? Oh, yeah. How does that work? Well, part of, I mean, you know, because you went through a little bit of Voyager with me. And, uh, you know, to, I don't know how much you remember, but part of that story is that the doctor exceeds his programming and becomes sentient. Mm-hmm. And what are the ramifications of that? So, I mean, and again, Voyager was produced long before Discovery. So it's going to be really interesting to revisit Very. Yeah. Once we get in terms of computer resume podcast, once we get down the road a little bit, it's going to be really interesting to revisit this issue in a few years and see where we're at. Yeah. Um, So I want to go back to something that we touched on a little bit before the recap. Um, The brother sister relationship. Okay. Um, I discussed a little bit with Justin Bishop, who is also one of three brothers. Yep. I'm one of three brothers. You are an only child. Yeah. So you you talked a little bit about the family you choose. And that's kind of where the discussion I had with Justin went is the family we choose. Um and have and how that how those dynamics are sometimes stronger than the familial uh connections between, you know, brothers, sisters, parents, children, aunts, uncles, that sort of thing. Um, any thoughts to the relationship Burnham has with Spock versus the relationship she has with Tilly, Arium, Detmer, Owusku. Any thoughts about the relationship there? And, you know, have, have you seen any of that mm. um, mirrored in your own life or experience or anything like that? Well, the funny, you know, the interesting thing about all that is I don't think Burnham has chosen any of those you just named. True. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> she wound up disco- on Discovery because Lorca, Lorca knew who she was and drafted her to Discovery. Yeah. Tilly makes friends. Like, if she wants to be your friend, you're going to be her friend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I love her for it. Again, it's not it's not a bad thing at all. Right. Um, I don't think, but I think without Tilly, Burnham wouldn't have opened up mm. the way she has. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Spock even is not... I mean, I guess she's adopted into that family. Yeah. So it's not a hundred percent like a real brother that you've they both or one of them at least grew up from somebody's birth, right? So she was plopped in and he was like what, seven or something? Uh yeah, she was she was the older sister, yeah. but yeah. But he was already five or five or six or seven or something. Yeah. Something. So he was like, mm, I don't mm-mm. This right. is my house. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so, I, 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 this is, I think, I feel like this one's actually kind of hard to, she loves Spock. Yeah. And she's always wanted Spock to love her the way she loves him. Mm-hmm. And she needed a family. Yeah. And she needed him. Yeah. And he's been pushing back on her mm-hmm. all these years. Yeah. Um, I think that, really actually lends to her pushing back on others. And she needs a Tilly mm. that basically grabs her arm and says, you're coming with me. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> well, let me ask, you know, and let me sort of uh, narrow, let me sort of narrow this down a little bit. Um, You being an only child mm-hmm. and me being uh, the youngest of three, those are very different. I mean, our, the differences in our raising don't stop there. I won't go into the 
much deeper. Well, but, and your brothers are so much older than you too, and they do say after so many years between the next, you know, uh, sibling, technically you you operate like an only child. All three of you had that that amount of space in between you mm-hmm. that you could technically you're not true only or a elder child younger child middle child right because you you grew up in different generations almost yeah. you know your brother your oldest brother wasn't even in the house anymore yeah you know when you were born so when i look at our close group of friends mm-hmm. that we have the jokester we have the the wallflower we have you know the the know-it-all we have the goofy musician we have we we have a we have a group of parents well a, a lot of the folks in our friend group are parents but like within that group there are two individuals who are much older they are parents we have literal like we have literal mom parents. and dad yeah we have a literal mom and dad of the entire group, basically. Yeah, that's of the entire we've, group. We've adopted them. Yeah, we've adopted them, and frankly, they've, they've ad- adopted us. They've adopted yeah. us too. So, I, you know, looking at those, looking at those relationships, uh, how do you feel about the family you choose versus? I, I mean, maybe this is getting a little too personal, but you know, I, everybody's everybody's family situation, everybody's home life, for lack of a better term, is you know. It is what it is. You're supposed to you're supposed to grow, you're supposed to break away and and everybody has those thoughts about, you know, how they were raised and whatnot. But like how special is our family that we've chosen? Like I mean, they're the most special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I I think you when you when you have the people you choose, mm-hmm. it's cuz you can connect with them. You don't always agree 100%, but you connect with them on a level that you for some reason, maybe have not been able to connect with your, you know, your real family. Yeah. Um, your real family also brings a lot of expectations on you. Mm. You know, they they want you to be like so and so, or they want you to they want you to succeed so badly that you know they give you all these expectations. Versus, you can just be with your crew. Yeah. You know, yeah. just be you. Yeah. And relax and enjoy yourself and have a conversation, you know, a deep conversation or a surface level kind of conversation, whatever you feel like. Yeah. You know, doesn't mean your family isn't going to be there for you if you need them, hopefully, you know, but you, you can lean on your friends in different ways. Yeah. And your, your chosen family in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right there. So, uh, anything else about, uh, this particular episode before we move on? I mean, you took some pretty studious notes. I have. Eight lines. <laughs> it's not very studious. Hey, you know what? You know what? That's more than a lot of people do for the old Computer Resume podcast. So <laughs> what What else do you have before we move on? Um, let's see. You know, I want to touch again on the emotions um, that we mentioned earlier uh, that comes in this episode. Spock came off to me a couple times as very immature. Mm. Um, I think about like a Luke Skywalker where he's just, you know, why is this happening to me? You know? Um, yeah. But the funniest thing about when people act in certain ways, when they let their emotions go or, or it, because it's built up so much, um, it's because so much of that comes from not being, feeling like you're not heard. Mm. And the whole, the whole thing about his interrogation where she was like, 
you know, did you, did you kill them? Did, did, you know, did you get a, why did you leave in violence? And he's like, I, I'm telling you, like, I didn't, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't yep. touch anybody. Yeah. And, you know, all of that you feel, even when Burnham was like, Burnham was trying to tell him, why are you playing the game like that? You know? And I don't know what he was doing because he threw the thing, you know, we never really fully understood like his true tactics there if he actually had a game plan. Yeah. But um, you come in the end and and you, the, the end result is that Section 31 is framing him. Yeah. And he, so he's validated. He's like, thank you. Like now everyone finally understands. Yeah. You know, but all that emotion comes from the fact that you just don't feel heard. You don't feel validated. You don't feel like anyone's believing you. Uh-huh. And I love, I loved the whole disrupt expectations, introduce chaos. Yeah. I'm such a pattern person myself. I'm, I'm, you know, math and, ex- I, well, I don't even want to call it math because I can't do math in my head, but I'm like Excel and data and, and formulas and all that stuff. And I find I find patterns in a lot of things and found patterns and operations to find better efficiencies. And that's what I do um, my job. And it's just like, so to throw in chaos and throw in disruption. Yeah. It would throw my circuits all off and I'm not, I'm not AI, but you know, it's so interesting to think like that. Oh yeah. Um, And then even thinking about how that whole thing disrupts us in our logic when you just no one no one believes you. You know, mm-hmm. no one's listening to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. Um we actually just watched the documentary, um, Victim Suspect. Oh yeah. Uh where you know it's it's about uh an investigation regarding uh, regarding uh false regarding sexual assaults and then the victim wind up being um arrested for false reporting. Yep. And there's so many times where, uh, you know, it's it's a fascinating documentary. It's a very sad documentary as well. But, uh, you know, you talk about these people feeling heard and being believed. Admiral Cornwell asks Spock three times mm-hmm. back to back why he killed these people. And, it, and he has to stop her. I think I've been pretty clear. Mm-hmm. I didn't kill anyone. But the video evidence that she has is of him killing these people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, it's really, again, it's, you know, it's a very sensitive subject matter. But if, uh, you know, if you feel so inclined, it's an interesting look at interviewing tactics and interrogation tactics um, used by law enforcement uh, in cases like these. Anyway. Um, you know, it's actually very educational and you think about, you know, if you're ever in that kind of situation where you are the victim, but you feel interrogated, Mm -hmm. I mean, this, that's what, in my opinion, that's what Spock is, right? He's, he's being framed, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and she is, he asked three times, sure. She asked three times and you, you've said even, it's just like, sometimes you want to ask multiple times to see if the story changes yep, and ask it in just ever so slightly a different way. Yep. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one of those things where, and I even remember, cause I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't the best and brightest and most well-behaved kid in school. What? I know. Shocking. Very, very shocking. Um, but yeah, I remember there being times getting questioned about different things and, and I, 
you know, they had already made up their mind. And it's so frustrating to not be believed, to not be heard. And mm-hmm. I, I know I won't get into it, but I know you've felt that way too uh, in regards to uh, certain interactions with people speaking for you or yes. not allowing you to, you, you know, vo- speak up for yourself when you're, right. when you're very capable of that sort of thing. So it can be really, really frustrating. And I think because Spock is in such a he's in such a place where he's not sure if he's sane or not. Now, at this point, he's kind of come to the conclusion that he is sane. Right. And that's why he put himself in the mental institution in the first place. Bingo. He he couldn't decipher it. He could not tell. And that's what Now I know it's not because he was interrogated. He was he couldn't tell if the Red Angel was yeah re, was actually talking to him or if he was losing his mind. Well, yeah, logic was failing him. Yeah. So, you know, but it's a similar situation. You get into when you get, you know, backed into a corner and no mm-hmm. one believes you, mm-hmm. you end up feeling have have I lost it? Yeah. Am I the problem? Am I the one that you know, did I remember incorrectly? Like, cause you sometimes you can't trust your memory. Yeah. And yeah, it's just all, all of it. And it's scary. Yeah. Because I, you know, at some point you start to question yourself. Mm-hmm. I, we had a, <laughs> a, not to pull the curtain back too much on our private life, but we had an instance today where we had to call customer service about a particular <laughs> bill. And they said that we had done something a month or two before. And both of us kind of looked at each other. And I, I know I was very much. Did I, did I did I authorize that? I don't remember authorizing that. I'm pretty sure I didn't, but now I don't know. <laughs> and it's very frustrating. Again, you know, when you don't when you have to remember so many other things, certain things have to fall out of your head. Yeah. So you're like your memory is not really one you can rely 100% on. Yeah. And even, you know, think about like trying to remember details of what people's faces look like or anything oh. like that. It's just like I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. How am I supposed to tell you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, well, there's a lot of issues going on in this episode and a lot of deep, heavy emotions. And I think everybody in this did an excellent job. Um, Everybody in front of and behind the camera. And, but you know, as we do, when you have something like this, a TV show or movie or anything else that, that you have more than just a few people involved, uh, there's always, uh, people behind the scenes doing things. And we, we like to shed some light, uh, on those people as well. So as we do every week, lovingly, we ask the question, who do we blame? This episode was written by Michelle Paradise. Now she has a bachelor's degree in English and French from BYU and a master's degree in comparative literature from San Francisco State. Her first credit, she wrote, produced, and starred in the short The Ten Rules, The Lesbian Survival Guide in 2002, and that won a bunch of awards all over the world. Uh, Highly recommend checking that out. Um, She also wrote, produced, and starred in the show X's and O's, which was on the Logo Network. Now, the interesting thing about this is she developed, produced, and sold X's and O's without an agent, which is unheard of in terms of making things happen in Hollywood. Like you need contracts, you need negotiators, you need uh, agents, managers, like all these people are vital to making these things happen. But the fact that she was able to do that without an agent is very impressive. 
like we've seen a lot of folks in these segments that we do here on the show that you know have these different degrees but um the fact that she did this uh, completely on her own is really really impressive and i think goes to show um her tenacity as well as her intelligence um uh, she went on to write 34 episodes of the originals from 2013 to 2018 but this is her first written by credit in the franchise but not her last she's actually been producing on the show since season two episode four an oval for Chiron. now this episode was directed by a guy named jonathan two takes frakes are you familiar with jonathan <laughs> with the the work you know, of jonathan frakes i may have heard of him yeah yeah <laughs> The, Sounds familiar. In the last in the last uh, thirty to forty years, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh, is, is it something to do with how he sits in a chair? There's something there, isn't that is, there? That is the Riker maneuver. Yeah, <laughs> Riker, Riker. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Frakes, of course, uh, uh, known legendarily known as uh commander william Riker from uh star trek oh Next yeah Generation. yes yes of course <laughs> if that was if it sounded familiar that's why <laughs> uh he is of course a legendary director as well his last episode directing was uh earlier in this season season two episode two new eden which we discussed with ian star wrecked ramsey on episode 103 that's actually a really good episode and talks about the nature of religion and you know dives a little bit deeper into the red angel of like is it a real angel we don't know i mean at that point it was very surface level of the mystery of the red angel but i i love when sci-fi and religion sort of bleed over into each other i know you're a big fan of that oh sort yeah of thing, oh so. big huge fan of that yeah. good job jonathan frakes yeah yeah good uh job. Uh, in terms of guest stars, we've got a bunch of uh, familiar returning faces. Of course, uh, Jane Brooke as Admiral Cornwell, Ethan Peck as Spock, and Rachel Ann Cheryl as Nan. But the person I want to shed the light on uh, this week is Hannah Cheesman as Lieutenant Commander Arium. She is a Canadian actress, writer, and director. Early in her career, uh, she had a few things of note. Uh, season 2, episode 19 of Flashpoint. And she did some voiceover work for the video game Sean White Skateboarding. She had a co-starring role in seven of the nine episodes that were produced of the show called Originals. Not to be confused <laughs> with the CW series, The Originals. That's just too coincidental. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, she had a small part in the 2013 film Mama alongside Star Trek alum Javier Bertet, which we actually talked a little bit about uh, with Justin Bishop last week. And then in 2014, she wrote, directed, and starred in the shorts The Brunch Bitch and Cheese. Uh, and then she would do three episodes of Defiance, 21 episodes of Max and Shred, and then season five, episode seven of Shit's Creek. Uh, this is not her first, nor technically her last appearance in the franchise, but this is where we grew to love and unfortunately mourn the character of Lieutenant Commander Arium. Uh, so 86 Arium. I miss you. Yeah. R.I.P. Hey, what did you catch what she was who she was in Shits Creek? Uh, I didn't recognize the name. It must have been somebody not normally in town. I think didn't the daughter end up having like a big party at the guy who lived in the barn, like at his barn? Yeah. 
I think maybe she might have been in that because it's season five. So so she, did the, she have any speaking? I don't remember. I tried to look oh, up love Shit's Creek. Yeah, Shit's Creek is such a great, such a great show. If if you're out there and you haven't seen Shit's Creek, it's a Canadian uh, uh, sitcom, but it's so well done. Uh, Eugene Levy and his son Dan Levy, um, along with uh, a whole host of familiar faces. Catherine. Uh, Catherine. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna kill me when we say it because I know. Oh yeah, Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Yes, of course. Um, and a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of very familiar faces. Uh, even you know Chris Elliott. Um, uh, you know Eugene Levy's daughter Sarah Levy. Um, Anne Murphy, of course. Emily Hampshire. Uh, there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful people in that show. It is so funny. It's very much a fish out of water type of story. Um, so there, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack with that. It's six seasons. And if you start watching it, you'll blow through all of it. It is just a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, so, Kat, <laughs> we get to the question that we ask every week. Uh, and, uh, you know, fortunately, I feel like with the structure of Discovery... And how far into the mystery of the Red Angel? I think I already know the answer to this, but we ask every week: Is this essential viewing? If somebody, if somebody is sitting down and working their way through Star Trek for the very first time, and they come to this episode, Project Daedalus, is this one they can skip, or is this a must-see episode? I think I'm going to surprise you because I don't know that it is. What? I mean, again, Discovery. We've said this before. Discovery is so serialized right it builds on itself of course so you do have definitely multiple plot points that they're hitting on Mm -hmm. but i feel like because this is the i feel like this is more of a connector episode in a way interesting um so it's just like okay we have spark and now we know that he uh well, they're still trying to figure out, they're just trying to figure out why he can see the Red Angel. But mm-hmm. we still don't have an answer for that. That's coming. Yeah. So this didn't answer us there. Um, I guess from the prior episodes, now we know he's, you know, we have him, he's safe, he didn't kill anybody, all that stuff, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. We do know a little bit more about Section 31 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, we lost Arium, so that was a critical point. And she did say something about Project Daedalus. I mean, the whole... Dang episode is titled Project Daedalus and you didn't even hear anything about it. And it's just even, it's not even nothing. It's its just, you you have to find out about it at the end. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> um. So we don't even know what that is. So I, I, if I got the cliff notes on it and I could skip it, except for like the emotional part, like I might say it's not necessarily essential. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... Uh... You know, there's, I think there's definitely something to be said for the progress that is made in this episode and its importance to the overall plot. This is definitely not a bottle episode. Let's make that perfectly clear. This is not a standalone no. bottle episode. No. There is information here that is that is vital to the overall narrative. Yeah. And in terms of Spock's journey... And Burnham's journey, I think this is important to see um, for for that aspect. But, you know, I think you might be right. 
is this largely focuses on Arium mm-hmm. and and Section Thirty One and Section Thirty One, which you know I really dig Section yep. Thirty One. Yep. I, I find that to be a really fascinating piece of the whole Star Trek franchise yep. puzzle. But um, you know when it focuses on a second on a you know on a B list yeah character, which yeah. I mean it's and that's not saying anything against. Hannah Cheeseman or her no, no, or it was like that. Beautiful, but it's this is the first time she's really taken center mm-hmm. stage, and it's her death. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something to be said here about the overall importance of everything that happens in this episode, and I feel like it could have been condensed way down well and not to give up away the next episode, but I think it even starts with. Remind, like, I mean, it starts with her funeral, yep. and I think they mention a few things that happened in the prior episode. So mm-hmm. it's just like, do we, you know, you're you're reminding the audience what are the important things are, yeah. So to pull out of this, so I'm not a hundred percent sure it's fully it's fully needed. Yeah, and again, this is a difference between syndicated Trek, right, and streaming Trek. And me as an o- OCD, I I want to finish it. I want I would recommend watching it because I do want to know the whole story. But right again, with streaming Trek, most of the time, what happens as soon as you start? Another one starts. Previously, oh on... yes, and that too. Of yeah, course. we did have a little bit of that when it went. Like old school, like cable. Uh, a few times, a few times, especially if it was if part it was if information it was, you had to know yeah, to understand this. If episode. it was a two parter, or mm-hmm. if it was part of a like three episode arc, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know, if it was vital for you to know what happened last week before you watch this right. episode, then yeah, you might have a previously yeah. previously on. But with streaming, even if it's a bottle episode, most of the time yeah. you got a previously on. Yeah. Um. You know, when I spoke with uh. It's the third time I'm mentioning my episode with Justin Bishop, which is available now wherever you get your <laughs> podcast. But that episode directly tied to The Cage, the mm-hmm. pilot episode from the 60s. And so, funnily enough, at the beginning of that episode, there's a previously on. And they did a previously on with footage from the pilot episode oh, of Star interesting. Trek. It was really fascinating because they used the old music, they yeah. used the original footage, and then boom, we're into the... Yeah current episode but yeah in terms of how important this is to the overall narrative i feel like you're absolutely right it gets it gets recapped in the following episode the funeral the funeral where you really see everybody's emotions come out about her death happens in the next episode um and yeah a lot of the a lot of the things narratively that are happening here do get recapped yeah uh in some form or another you know, in if not the next episode, certainly down the line. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we're hip deep. They're not about to leave anybody hanging in the wind. Yeah. Uh, in terms of this narrative, so I think I, I think I might actually have to agree. You know, I, I maybe as a completist, I'm like this is serialized Trek. You can't skip any of it. Well, and I also thinking about like what you said about the difference in how we watch things. You know, on cable, and you didn't really have an opportunity to binge it. You didn't have an opportunity to just watch one after the other after the other. You it was like, you know, we have a certain time slot, come back tomorrow at our time slot or next week at our time slot to keep the next episode. So oh, yeah. I wonder about, you know, funny funnily enough, 
how important the question is even anymore because who's going to skip an episode? Mm-hmm. You're just going to keep watching. Yeah. You know, in in this type of media, in this type of um yeah, media. Yeah. Medium. Yeah. Is like is it just you just go to the next episode. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now there's a couple of little tidbits here that I kind of want to throw in. Uh they're not necessarily Strictly fun facts, but I think it illuminates a little bit uh, more behind the scenes of what was going on. You know, we talked about this episode being very focused on Arium, and that's because a guy named Dick Donato, uh, who is a winner of Big Brother 8. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was apparently, uh, he, he apparently had an in with uh, some of the folks behind the scenes of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, specifically, staff writers Erica Lippold and Bo Young Kim, um, that he really wanted to see more of Arium and wanted to know her story. Yeah. And I am glad that we got Oh, that. definitely. Um, but then it ended up kind of being this kind of weird episode that obviously fits, but also doesn't fit yeah. into the narrative. Yeah. It, re- it really could have been, um, you know, it, like I think I already said it could be condensed way, way down. Yeah. In fact, a lot of things that happen here do get recapped in the next episode. Yeah. Wasn't as, it certainly, if I, if I think about other TV shows that have done stuff like this, mm-hmm. certainly not nearly, it's not even bad. I don't even want to say nearly as bad. It's not bad, but it's like, I think about Walking Dead and how much they pissed us off. For like, you're waiting to see what's going on with Glenn, and they give you a backstory of a character we love, but that is not what we're here for for today. Yes. What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> and you you gave you you angered millions. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, that was that was. Uh, we understand what you were trying to do. That was not the time to do that. That yeah. was not the time. <laughs> <laughs> Another uh, little thing here. Um, Jonathan Frakes was actually originally hired to direct The Red Angel, which is actually the next episode. Uh, but because of the delays in the production due to the firing of the showrunners, Aaron Harberts and Gretchen J. Berg, the extension of the season from 13 episodes to 14, he actually got directing gig for this episode. Which is, it's interesting how that works. You know, a lot of people think, well, Jonathan Franks, he's Star Trek royalty. Right. And pick and choose. That is not how it works. Like, huh. Le- LeVar Burton, same thing. Like, they are journeyman directors. Yes, they are Star Trek cast members. But in terms of directing episodes, at least within this franchise, they find workers. They find directors who are either between gigs or who have gone through the directing program of Star Trek and there is it's kind of like it's kind of like a college level course yeah. that you go through to be able to direct an episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Um well and I'm so sorry to say that I just don't think this episode is I'm not 100% sure it's essential viewing knowing that like it's a Jonathan Frakes, you know, directing because again, it's a great episode. Yeah. Great acting, love Arium, great yeah. directing, all of it's good. Um but it's just how well does it fit within it, how well is it fully needed all of those elements i think i can say i think i can say confidently having seen jonathan frakes's work from behind the camera yeah um that this episode in the hands of a less experienced oh, director oh would not have been as would, good yes it would mm. not have come off as yeah. well yeah um, definitely so i think 
this episode definitely benefited absolutely from having Jonathan Frakes absolutely at the helm it did. for sure. So we're glad for scheduling mishaps occasionally. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> On television shows and podcasts. Absolutely. Uh, we just roll with it, folks. We roll with it. That's right. Yep. <laughs> So, uh, Kat, thank you so much. I know you, I know you are incredibly busy. I know. And. I gotta cut that out. (laughs) And you've done so, (sighs) you've done so much for this show that people will probably never get to see. But I, I do sing your praises at every chance I get. Um, for what, yeah, for what you've, uh, for what you've given to this show. And we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So much. Any parting thoughts before we leave? Thoughts about the episode? Thoughts about this season? Thoughts about uh, the series, Discovery? Thoughts about the franchise? Thoughts about the Computer Resume podcast? (laughs) And all of those things. Any parting thoughts before we go? I can't wait to talk about Strange New World. (laughs) I love Discovery again. Not not trying to... But I love this. I love Strange New Worlds. I did. And and he made me admit, the guys. Oh, hey, hang on. I didn't <sighs> make you do anything. I know, but I did. <laughs> Tell him. So the musical episode. Uh huh. I officially, I was like, I'm a trekker. Yep. I'm official. This is it. Yep. I'm in one hundred thousand percent. I love Strange New. It's, it is a wonderful, wonderful <laughs> show, and I can't wait to talk with you about it. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think most of season one is booked. If, if you want to talk about an episode of season well, one. season, the musical episode, season two. Correct. Right? So yeah. Towards I, the end of season two. I gotta see if I can. I know. <laughs> or you're just going to have three people on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not like we haven't, it's not like I haven't. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've uh, barged in on an episode and said, we're going to talk about this. Yeah. I think you did that with that one was of, early. That with one of Gary's, Gary's. episodes. Yeah. You barged in. Yeah. For like, sure. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> it might have to be me again. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> well, folks, next time. If not sing about this. <laughs> next week, we will welcome back to the show the writer, director, and star of 1701, A Blurred Story, Matt Jennings. will be here to discuss Discovery Season 2, Episode 10, The Red Angel, which is available wherever you watch Star Trek. We support the strike. So, Kat, where can people find you on the interweb? Um, I'm on Instagram mostly, um, at that.darn.cat with a K. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in Ted Forward. on Patreon and like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. 
Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. Is it Android and Dorian and... Those are two different things in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> um, robot. Okay, so you're talking android. And she's an android. She's technically a cyborg. Okay, she's a cyborg. Sorry. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> How's that for a slice of fried gold? And that's it. That's it, kids. How do you feel? Fine. Thank you. It's not your fault. I know. Plus, I had a bunch of screw-ups. What? I had a bunch of screw-ups. Well, you may not want to. Yeah, I had to do a bunch of rejects. You're bound to do, kind of do some rejects. Yeah. (laughs) I hope you're recording. (laughs) I am still recording. (laughs) That is not for Patreon. That is going right to me. No! <laughs> I was like, we're home free. <laughs> that was the that was not real. <laughs> the other ones were. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, thank you for watching. Thank you for taking notes. Thank you for making this fun. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. And people like hearing you. Mwah. They do. Hear me fart. Yep, they hear you fart. You yep. are going to cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> hearing you fart hearing you heavy breathe hearing you because <laughs> you hear that every now and then because you because you got closer and closer to the microphone i noticed this time and you you did you go <laughs> it's okay <laughs> yeah it's okay <laughs> but uh you had some great thoughts you had some really great thoughts and I love talking with you. I talk about you and talk about anything with you. And talk about you with anything of anything. <laughs> oh, I'm tired. Me too. I love you.